it's the 1960s. Ford Motor Company has just launched this car called the Mustang. Riding the hype and success, Ford announces their design to join the four-wheel drive market, later called the Sports Utility Vehicle. This is not your mom's SUV grocery getter of today. Ford marketed it as their off-road vehicle, but at the time the category had two major competitors, being the Jeep CJ5 and the International Harvester Scout, not a tractor. You see more competitors coming to the market. With Chevy's release of the K5 Blazer in 69 and Dodge Ram Charger in 74. But we are here to talk about the Bronco. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Talking Shift Podcast. My name is Cody Greer, and I'm your host. Alongside me, as always, are my co-host, Trey Sweeney. Hello. And Kayla Bailey. Hello. So, what are we talking about today, Trey? We're talking about the Bronco, Cody. Why would we do that? It's Be- a- because I am one of the large amount of people that pre-ordered a new Bronco, and I just figured it was a good subject to touch upon. So, you're ready to get your Bronco when your daughter graduates college. I mean, let's... Wait, wait, wait. Are you going to have to pay that dealer markup? No, 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 no. Thankfully not. So I... you're not going to pay a hundred grand no. for a $50,000 car? Hell no. And mine's not even marketed at fifty grand. It's actually 60. below that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I think this is in the mid-40 range after build and everything, so not too bad. Well, that's not bad. That's not too bad. So sure. we're talking about the 1960s here. So tell me this. That Ford got into this habit with their cowboy-named cars. Uh, was this a continuation of that theme? Because we, we had the Ranchero in 1959. The Mustang came about. We had the Bronco. And we were looking at the... What is it? We got the Lariat, the Laredo. Yeah. The, it's always been horses with Ford. What is their problem? Yeehaw. So... We'll get into it, but the Bronco actually at one point was not going to be named the Bronco. But a lot of guys at Ford were big into quarter horses and stuff. So, the so, yeah, so, yeah. so when they go, yeah. it's like that. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> Please keep that in. Absolutely. <laughs> Across all generations, there's a cult-like following for the Bronco, with everyone having their favorite iteration. Some say the best, the best there was was the first gen. I even have a friend that has owned it. Two of the four gens. When I was a kid, we had a Bronco too that got stolen. <laughs> really? I mean, they're easy to steal. What? No, no modern features. What is it with Fords and twos? Everything's got a two. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like the mock. The, well, they do a mock two. The Mustang. Mustang. Yeah. Not even God wanted one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever kept them longer than they kept a pair of shoes. That's probably one of the best memes is a tornado takes out the house and there's a Mustang too sitting there. For those of you that haven't seen it, go check out our Facebook page. That meme is there. But guys, what it really is, it's the cool factor of driving a Bronco that keeps people coming back. It's nothing like cruising down the back row with the half show off and that and the air flowing through your hair, what little's left of mine, and turning heads. So let's break it down in each generation of the Bronco. So, going with the first generation, which lasted from 66 to 77, the first Bronco was the brainchild of Ford product manager Donald Frey. In the 1960s, 
he was a busy guy. Back then, because he also conceived the Ford Mustang, our Chrysler Savior, Lee Iacocca, approved the plans and production was set for early 1964, but we did not get the first Bronco until 1966 model year. So was this before or after he approved the Pinto? Did he approve the Pinto? Yeah, he was a horse name. That was, yeah. that was under his leadership. Was it? Yeah. The world's most explosive car? <laughs> yeah. So it turns out you can make good and bad things. So do any of you guys know anybody who was harmed by the Pinto issue? I can't say that I do. Well, one, can, Caleb, how would we know anyone? They all died. <laughs> one of my family friends got blown up in a Pinto. Well, why'd you, is why don't you stop me? Is he still a family friend or <laughs> is he just he's, he's alive? Is he a friend from the above? Survive. <laughs> he, it, was, it was like 1978. They got a settlement for Ford, from Ford on that. And he still receives a check every so much every month to cover his settlement that he received from it. And uh, his name is... Or as far as I know, what we refer to him as is Red John. I don't know if that was his name before. <laughs> no, it was just John. <laughs> it was John. And the way that my dad talks about him, I've never met the man, but my dad said it hurts to look at it. Like, it's that bad. Well, so, production was set for early 1964, but we did not get the first Bronco until 1966 model year. Apparently, according to a recent article, Frey had toyed with the idea of calling it the Wrangler. Jeep at the time had not branded as the Jeep Wrangler, but Frey decided to stick with Bronco due to its close relation to Mustang. Could you imagine calling it a Ford Wrangler? Well, it fits the naming type, though. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about this earlier. I mean, all the cowboy stuff Ford had, I mean, it kind of goes right along with it, but it's still just what we know about with cars today. It's just wild to think that that could have been its name. Just imagine the Wrangler jean commercials. A man getting out a Ford Wrangler wearing Wrangler jeans. Well, you know Jeep in the 70s had a Levi's edition Mm -hmm. that the seats were actually holstered with Levi denim material with a red tag on the seats, the yellow... uh, The most uncomfortable seats. I mean, Ford (laughs) companies have these weird relationships in this time with... Like makers like that. Do you remember the Eddie Bauer edition Fords in the nineties? Ford Expeditions. Expeditions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think there was even an Eddie Bauer Bronco. The thing oh, yeah. is, there was. I didn't know <laughs> anything about Eddie Bauer when I was a kid, except that he made backpacks and he had a car. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you could get a Ford SUV, it was coming to Eddie Bauer, and I'm not exactly sure, other than the fact that I think I remember reading some weird fact that one of the Explorers that had the 5.0 was V8 it, in it was it Dora. Now, one of the four <laughs> SUVs that had the 5.0 had the Cobra intake, and that is an easy modification and way to find a Cobra intake for cheap from a scrapyard is to find an Eddie Bauer Explorer with a V8 in it. You, you heard it here first, Shiftheads. Yeah, go scour your junkyards if you're a Mustang guy. And you like Fox and your other three friends happy. Support your local pull-apart. Support your junkyards. The hottest strip club in town. The first Bronco had the boxy cool factor design unlike the boxy designs of most more recent cars like the kia soul and you know the nissan cube or that scion no no offense i know you know challenger yeah <laughs> 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 i mean we're taking shots of people's cars uh, now so but did it come with hamsters not till recently <laughs> uh. The first gen came with a standard four-wheel drive. At first, an inline six. Was that the 300 cube? Uh, yeah, yeah. Putting out a whole 89 horsepower. 
But later that model year with a 4.8 V8 with three-speed trans and manual transfer case that put out 200 horsepower. Now, Trey, this is a late 60s, so we got to turn the 4.8 liters into cubes. Are we talking about a 289 here? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. For everybody who speaks American, then that's a 289. <laughs> 289. Yeah, you'll have to touch into that later on because we mentioned a 6.6 liter and well, it kind of reaches back to that whole uh, Top Gear episode. It's like, I'm driving an 8.2 liter. <laughs> and it's got 175 horsepower. And it gathers all of 10 miles to the gallon. <laughs> yes, with a wind blowing behind it going downhill in neutral. As we mentioned in the Hemi episodes, guys, this is the this is the decades of the uh, slow, lazy V8. Yes. Not the high-powered screamer. So later they switched to a 3.3 liter inline six. These were not as equipped as competitors' Jeep at the time, but with the options could be added, such as back seat and front bucket seats. Otherwise, it came standard with a front bench seat. They also had a pickup version, which very cool, but very odd to look at when it's lifted and everything. Um, Is it kind of like a kind of like looking at a Jeep Gladiator, I guess to say? Yeah, yeah, just not the four door type yeah. thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a shorter wheelbase Jeep Gladiator with a Bronco. Yeah, you know the Jeep Gladiators look good if they have a little bit few mods on them. For those of you who don't know, a Jeep Gladiator is basically a Jeep with a truck bed on it. Yes, they're too long for their ride height without anything done. To right, them. exactly. But like, there's a guy here in town who has uh, I, I saw him on one of the Jeep Gladiator pages on Facebook that I randomly joined because of a friend. It looked goofy as hell when he first got it. And then he threw 40s on it, and that thing looks mean as hell now. I'm but, surprised it moves with 40s yeah, on right. it. Yeah. I, I hope he did some gear work, too, and otherwise he's shot. With the pickup, all were two-door options, even though more than 225,000 were produced from 66 to 77. The rarity of finding these today in good shape is really hard due to the fact that all were off-road based vehicles and they were used in that stance. A lot of Bronco owners in the early days really, you know, how you always have that guy in the background that says, hold my beer, watch this. That was Bronco owners in the early days on off-roads. So you mean they actually used them what they were made for? They weren't just, you know... Pavement princesses? Yes. They weren't pretty boy trucks? No, no, they were they were used for off-roading. Not for the wannabe cowboys, then. Yeah. Yeah, not for 12-inch wide rims. You know, we're calling you out. <laughs> Ford Raptor fans. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, find, being with that difficulty, because they were used for their purpose, finding one in good shape is also a way to put it on auction and catch a good price. So, high price tags at big auctions like Barrett-Jackson and Meekum, which is far different from the pricing whenever the standard Gen 1 hit car lots in 66 and through 77, with that car only being $2,194. Was four-wheel drive standard? Yes. Yeah. So four-wheel drive was standard. Four-wheel and drive standard. six and a three-speed mm -hmm. manual. Yep. So you got all that stuff for $2,100. Yep, and the top uh, cocoon came off of it, too. You can't even buy a side-by-side for that much. No, money. you can't. You can't even make a painting on a side-by-side -side <laughs> that much nowadays. <laughs> I wanted to ask, how heavy was the cocoon? I mean, if it's all metal at this time, oh my gosh. It was It was hefty. So was it stamped aluminum? I doubt it was steel. It was stamped aluminum, but it was not light. 
So, like, picking it up, I watched a video of these two guys trying to pick it up. They needed a third guy to direct them off the back. Granted, this guy had 37s on it, and it was lifted, and it was about a 68 or a 69. And I guess but, one was about the height he'd have to jump to look over the back of a couch. Yep. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, though most were highly underpowered by today's standards, during the run of the first gens, there's this guy, you might have heard of him, Carol Shelby. Oh, well, uh, he, he got a hold of him. Who's that? Yeah, you don't... You, you know what? We should do a show on that later. You guys stay tuned. Yeah, we, we need to dive into Carol Shelby. The tall Texan that knows how to make cars go fast. Who is this Shelby you all speak of? I do not know who he is. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. The last cool man named Carol. The only one I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was double girl name, Carol and Shelby. You got to be a badass if you have two double girl names. I mean, it's kind of like a boy named Sue. The Texas situation. Farmer from Texas. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Shiftheads, it's your old pal Caleb. I want to talk to you about something that's very important to all of us here at Shiftheads, and I want to talk to you about Tyler Gibson, graphic designer. He's done a lot to get us where we are today. He's made a lot of our posters. He made my wedding invitations and my wedding announcements. He's done a lot for all of us here. He created our logo. And with that, we want to go ahead and talk about him and what he can do for you. He can do anything in this graphic design stuff. If you want, to, if you want an image of yourself looking like uh, King Kong fighting Godzilla and Godzilla to be your boss, you can do that. You hate your boss, we do too. We hate your boss also. As a graphic designer slash artist where creativity is expected and appreciated, through his approach, he helps clients and their brands meet their full potential and continually challenges himself to deliver the simplest, most effective and efficient solutions he possibly can. Tower Gibson has professional knowledge in the following softwares, Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign, XD, WordPress, and HTML and CSS. Tyler says that let's work together to create a game-changing experience that will take your brand from bland to buzzworthy, and he can do it. CreativeTyler.net, or give him a call at 601-209-9155. Tell him the shift head sent you. He'll appreciate it. So, anyway, Shelby Bronco made with a GT350 Mustangs 302, which was a big upgrade for the vehicle at the time. To this day, the first How gen, many of those did they make? It was maybe less than 100. I've never... What year was that? Late 60s. It's been 68 or 69. Yeah, the nice. 289 was the, was the so, GT350 motor. I'm just curious because I didn't know. I, I haven't heard of this and, just, and I'm interested. It was 1966, actually. Okay, so it was an introductory year, though. Yep, yep. And so it got the good 289, the high rubber that uh, they developed just for the GT350, not yep. the one that came up later that was the uh, same one that came in the normal Mustang. Yep. Yeah, they, they had the good stuff in that one, which, I mean, new factor. It was the first year for production and everything, so. Man, I would love to have a, man, if I could have any of them, that would be the one to get. Yeah. I would argue against that, though. Color-wise, it came in one color, and it's like this off-yellow mm. And it's so it was, really goofy looking. So it's a piss yellow? It, no, it literally, you go into a bar, a bar, go to the bathroom, look in the toilet, and that's what color it was. Says the guy with the dog picker red Dodge Challenger. <laughs> hey, guess what? I've got good looking rims on it, Caleb. 
Yeah, because they're not you would pro. Have. You would have if you got the color I told you. <laughs> Uh, this will be in a future episode. Stay tuned. I don't know if it'll be a future episode. We're just going to talk about are the fight between black rim owners and chrome rim owners and their differences on these. Give us your opinion, listeners. Black versus chrome rims. So, anyway, to this day for the first gen, it was like we said, selling for big price tags at auction. And our love for the easiness of modifying and off-roading capabilities, along with that cool factor. But at this time, with that short wheel base, the Bronco was not very roomy on the inside. I mean, I don't know if any of y'all have ridden in one of the first-gen Broncos. It's your elbow-to-elbow with somebody. It's kind of like riding in what Jeep Wranglers are today. Like, right about that time, you had the power wagon coming out and everything, and they planned to release another generation around 74 when the power wagon came out and the power wagon's like sitting in a full-size truck and you're spaced away from the next person next to you so basically it'd be like sitting in a full-size pickup now it's like a ford maverick exactly with that not being very roomy on the inside and competitors kind of getting a little bit bigger enter in the second generation of the bronco so the second generation bronco ran from 1978 to 1979 Shortest year of the generation, saw the vehicle got a bigger standard V8. This was originally planned for 74, but due to the oil crisis, the project was shelved. Unlike its predecessor that didn't resemble any of the Ford lineup at this time, this was the first Bronco that was on the same platform as the truck. This was the F100. Also with the same front fenders and doors. Ford, uh, Ford used a 6.6 liter V8, which uh, equals out in American numbers to a 400 cubic inch V8 that produced 158 horsepower due to the EPA restrictions at that time. That's a lot of horsepower. Sarcasm. Yeah. Enter in wink wink sarcasm. It's got a bigger engine than both of our cars. 6.6 liters and 158 horsepower. Impressive. It was it was work to get that little power out of a V8. <laughs> now this gen still had the same two-door closed a wagon or mobile shell like its predecessor, but it also had air conditioning, a tilt steering wheel, and an audio system. So it got a little more civilized, got a little more comfortable. It wasn't just for the guy with the farm, it became more for the, it was, we were leaning towards more for the uh, asphalt queen, like we had talked about earlier, but yeah. a pretty boy truck. Yeah. But Ford went back to the drawing board in 1979 and brought up one of the famous ones. Yeah. So with that though, like the whole, fact that back then it's just funny to me that they refer to it as like added on additions something that we're common with like air conditioning or tilting steering wheel an option at the time of the standard now yeah the fact of a standard like it's standard now for a tilting steering wheel granted we've all gotten a little fatter over the years and everything i mean think about it you could always get electric windows up and down yeah. but you always got roll down and roll up windows yeah. when's the last time you saw roll up windows in a newer vehicle true well actually I, I can tell you my wife had an 09 Toyota Corolla when she was in high school and her aunt bought her this car and she got her every base model feature she possibly could because she said hey honey if you ride into a lake at least you'll be able to roll your window down that's sound advice. That's yeah. not a bad idea. So, moving on to the third gen Bronco. This iteration of the Bronco was made from 1980 to 1986. So, the Gen 3, like the Gen 2, pulled designs from 
of the Ford trucks, but this time the popular F-150. This generation, after only a two-year run of the previous model year, was a little bit smaller and had better fuel efficiency, which makes a ton of sense after the oil crisis of the 70s. It came standard with a six-cylinder engine, but still had the V8 as an option. Also, it had a two-door option, as all the all previous Broncos did. A two-door option. It just came with two doors. Oh, well. That's, that's all you can get it in. Maybe you can get three. Yeah, I mean, technically, if you want to call the hatch in the back a third door. I'm calling it three. Sure. Three-door Bronco. (laughs) In this time, Ford also came up with a smaller baby Bronco. A mini pony. The Bronco (laughs) 2. Here we go with the number iterations again. But this was built on the Ford Ranger frame. It was added along with the segment with the Chevrolet's S10 Blazer, and the influence of this segment led to the Jeep coming out with the Cherokee. Enter in the song from TikToks like, I know that truck, I ain't no stranger, I know that truck, that's a motherfucking Ford Ranger. Ford Ranger. <laughs> we could probably do a poll podcast on the Ranger. <laughs> really, though. Yeah, the Danger yeah. Ranger. The beginning of the mini truck era. But let's see, Chevy had the love, which was a Saturn? Who made the, the love was something else, it was a captive import project. It may have been something, something I think else. it was, yeah, it was Saturn. Well, yeah. that captive import project, it was, captive import was what was what Chrysler did. But yeah. The same kind of idea. It was an Isuzu, guys, I'm sorry. Isuzu. Isuzu? It was, it was a, the love was an Isuzu, and the original Ranger was a Mazda. Because that had, makes every, sense. Everybody, my, my uncle had a, uh, a Mazda. A Mazda, yeah. Well, I mean, Ford, for a while, Ford owned Mazda. I don't know if it's during this time or not, but I know they did own them for quite a while. Yeah, they, they stole a few of their four-cylinder tricks. I'm not going to hate on that Mazda too much, because that's how I learned how to drive stick. Mm-hmm. It is still very surprising to see a Bronco 2 on the road today. It really is. You know, you really don't see a whole lot. And I kind of like the little, like the, it's like the old school Blazers. It's just a little itty-bitty. Yeah. Like, like there's head we love. Great. Yeah, there's several people that I've seen around Jackson with one. Uh, one guy I actually talked to last week because he came up to somewhere. I think I was going into Kroger or something, and he got out of one. He was like, yeah, he said, he runs great. It's ran great for years. I've had it since I got it in 87 or 88. He said, but the only thing is, he said, can't find no damn parts to fix my AC. I had a lot of problems with the uh, head gasket on those, uh, the early ones. The, uh, they as always, they use the wrong specs for the type of head gasket they use, and called the head the head gasket would blow, and a lot of times it would it would the issue would cause the uh, head to fuse to the block. Oh. <laughs> so you're telling me Ford had more issues with explosions? Hey, yeah. ne- ne- on next week's episode is when we talk about Ford and their issues with recalls and everything else. We'll touch on that later. However, the Bronco Two sold a lot more than previously expected. With these three generations that we just talked about, guys. So you got the Gen 1, 66 to 77. You got the Gen 2, pretty much one, two years, 78, 79. And then you have Gen 3, 80 to 86. Which one's you pulling? Uh, I think I would go for the uh, 78, 79. I like that body type. Yeah. I like the uh, the option, which we left out, of the uh, big block 460. At the time, I mean, well, the 460s kind of looked at as a dog, but I mean, you can't, there's no replacement for displacement. I mean, 
a big block 460, a nice dual feet holly, heads, and a little bit of header work. Living at something fun that'll howl. We we need to we need to get some like merch shirts made. There's no replacement for displacement. I'm sure that they're out there. Well, I'm sure <laughs> they're out there, but I'm sure nobody's really marketed it and CC'd it or anything. But anyway, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a, a bold choice on mine. I'm gonna go with the Bronco Two from the '80s, third generation. Just because you're a short short guy, you like the tiny Bronco. But I actually like doing, unlike you two, I like to go off-roading. And I know that when you go off-roading, you want something small, you want something short-wheelbase, and you want something four-wheel drive. So if you're a true off-roader, you're going to want the smaller vehicle. And quite frankly, the Bronco 2 is probably just as big of a wheelbase as the original Bronco, if we're being honest with ourselves. Now, Cody, I'm going to throw a question at you that's going to be controversial to our listeners. Would you take a Bronco 2 over Toyota Hilux SUV? I'm talking four wheel drive. We're talking. I'm going high looks. You're going high looks. Yeah. So, so if we weren't on a Bronco podcast, I straight up have an FJ62 all <laughs> up in my mind. Because me and Cody were talking about that the other day, and I was like, I should drop it in and mention something about an FJ. But an FJ62, there's an author that I read, and he's really big into them. He got one rebuilt with an LS3 in it. It's cool. The 22R versus whatever that little inline four that Mazda whipped up for them. Well, I mean, they're both awesome engines, and that's that's what you need. And a capable little off-roader is just a great little small motor that puts out great power. Short wheelbase, light, 4 by 4 It's all you need. If you need more than that, you're not really off-roading. You're just showing off. And I mean, we're also talking about the difference between an independent front suspension, which was what you've got on the Bronco 2s, four-wheel drive versus a straight axle front on a Toyota, whatever. I can't think of it. I'm blanking on the name of the Hilux SUV, but I'm sure it was just the Toyota... Forerunner? Forerunner, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. I, myself, would pick the first gen. You'd go Yang Yang over? Yeah, I'd go OG. Like, I'd I'd get me a a 70 just for an even nice number, Mm. and uh, I would go... They had a, a dark blue... It just looks really nice with a white cream top. On that bombshell, let's end this week's episode. (laughs) Trey, sing us out. On next week's episode, we will go over the next three generations of the Bronco. Who knows? We might even talk about a certain police chase involving a Ford Bronco. Thank you for listening, listeners, and don't forget to follow us on social. We're on Twitter as Talking Shift Pod. We're on Facebook and Instagram at ShiftHeadCC. And also, don't forget to like this, leave a review, and subscribe. My name is Cody. I am Caleb Bailey. I am Trey. Thank you, Shift Heads. Have a great <laughs> evening. <laughs>